the other side of midnight. Local spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is the other side of midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Dr. Sky joining me this hour. So if you have questions about space, astronomy, aviation, or anything like that, please start queuing up and dialing 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. I am a proud product of New York City public schools. I am a public school advocate. I am a public school booster. I am a public school supporter. However, I am also a supporter of New York City's charter school movement, including in areas where a lot of the public schools might not be up to what parents in those communities are expecting. And amidst the ravages of COVID and all sorts of other side effects of the lockdown, New York City's traditional public school enrollment has fallen. And we're going to get into this with uh, Deacon Kevin McCormick, who's the superintendent of the Catholic schools in the two o'clock hour. But the number of families choosing charter schools has grown. The parents of 142,000 students now attending the independently run public schools and thousands more trying to get in are seeking rigorous academics, in some cases stricter discipline and more. Yet again and again, charter schools are forced to jump through all sorts of bizarre hoops just to educate children. Albany insists on maintaining a hard cap on the number that can open and inside the city activists, local politicians and the teachers union, quite frankly, treat charters as lepers when they dare to try to use space in school buildings with plenty of usable classrooms. Because remember, the children that go to charter schools are public school students. Mayor Adams and Chancellor David Banks are supposed to be more open to charter schools. At least that's what they told us when Mayor Adams was running. And this week, what should have been a no-brainer approval of co-locations of Success Academy schools in two Queens and one Bronx building got yanked yanked off the panel for education policies agenda due to irrational opposition. Co-location is very common citywide, and the Daily News editorialized in favor of this yesterday as well, and I think they were right on the money. I think it's a shame to see these charter schools continue to be vilified when parents really do want another option. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, did you think you were done hearing about New York's redistricting and gerrymandering process? Well, you had another thing coming, didn't you? The New York Independent Redistricting Commission became very controversial last year because they couldn't come up with district lines for Congress and for the state legislature, which led to this being decided by a court and an independent special master drawing these new lines, which were far less gerrymandered than the district lines that the legislature came up with. So the New York Independent Redistricting Commission will be allowed to continue drawing new district lines for assembly districts. That was the ruling from an appellate court yesterday. A five-judge panel unanimously upheld the process for redrawing the assembly districts that was instituted by a lower court last year. It ruled that assigning the redrawing of the maps to the Independent Redistricting Commission with approval by the state legislature was constitutional. So we'll see where this goes. 
shows and we'll see uh, what they come up with. But I have another suggestion. I would suggest to the Independent Redistricting Commission and more importantly to the state legislature that they do away with these districts as a whole, as we know them anyway, and come up with a system of proportional representation. I mean, if you think about it, 47% of the people of this state voted for Lee Zeldin, a Republican, to be their leader, to be their governor. And yet, in the legislature, they are, the Republicans and the conservatives, a super minority in terms of representation in the Assembly and the Senate. If we had something that was a little bit more representative, something like Israel or Japan, something like which we used to have in New York City in the 1930s, then you would see a similar percentage of people that voted Republican actually getting Republican legislators. I have no illusions that this is going to change anytime soon, but I think this would be the best thing, not for Republicans, but for people that want to see their electoral choices represented in determining who represents them. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Well, don't look now, but New Jersey's oldest senator is about to be thrown overboard by the Republicans. Some Republican leaders, according to David Wildstein in the New Jersey Globe, are quietly voicing an opinion that the oldest member of the New Jersey state legislature, 87-year-old state senator Samuel Thompson, who represents Old Bridge, should not seek re-election, with Old Bridge Mayor Owen Henry emerging as the leading candidate for the seat. The New Jersey Globe is reporting, after speaking with multiple sources who spoke with the paper on condition of anonymity, that the preference for GOP insiders is that Thompson leave on his own accord without facing a primary. But Thompson doesn't appear ready to retire and isn't aware of any discussions regarding his political future. Here's a quote from Senator Thompson. I haven't heard a word of it, he said. I am seeking re-election. I will be running and I will be re-elected. I have no doubt. Now, I'm a believer in term limits for almost everything, and I wish New Jersey had term limits, but they don't. Senator Thompson strikes me as very with it and very alert, and I can tell you in my discussions with William Shatner, who's in his 90s, it is very possible to be 87 years old and still be as sharp as a tack. So I'm wondering, do the Republicans that are leading this whispering campaign against Senator Thompson have any evidence that he's not up to the task of doing the job at all? Or is his great crime just that he's old? If it's the latter, then I think that's a real shame. Age discrimination has no place anywhere including in politics. I'm all for getting young blood involved in the electoral system, but you can't just throw someone overboard because they happen to be old. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Well, we almost did it. We almost made it two full shows in their entirety without mentioning the name George Santos. Everyone in the world is discussing George Santos right now, so I'm not really eager to be the billion and one 
person that's doing a show about George Santos. So I've been making a concerted effort to avoid Santos talk because I'm not really sure what else I can add at this point. But there was a point regarding Santos and his campaign that I wanted to comment on based on an article that was in Newsday yesterday. Newsday, which I'll point out, did an abysmal job covering George Santos in two campaigns that he ran as a congressional candidate. And had they done the least bit of vetting, even a simple Google search, would have found that so much of what he was claiming is untrue. Well, now they're trying to make up for their malfeasance during the last two campaigns. And every day, it seems like they're going after Santos. And yesterday, they spoke with a very prominent doctor out on Long Island uh, by the name of Dr. Jeff Viserka. I believe that's how it's pronounced. He's a prominent Long Island cancer doctor who was among George Santos's top campaign contributors. And he gave nearly $50,000 to Santos and his associated committees. Well, now he's telling Newsday that he regrets the support, calling the new congressman, quote, one of the best con men I've ever met. He told his story about uh, how he met Santos and he was wowed by Santos's credentials and how his mom got cancer. And he essentially knew exactly what to say to this particular doctor. Let me tell you, especially anybody listening to me that can actually afford to make $50,000 in political contributions, before you give $50,000 to any anybody, a politician, a charity, anybody that you're investing with, anybody, just double check that what they're telling you is true. Just do a simple Google check. Just check their references. This is what I do when I'm hiring a babysitter. This is what you should do before giving out $50,000. Beam me up. To be continued.